just been thinking in the last few weeks about what God is doing amongst us as a church. And we know that around the world, some amazing things are happening. Uh, and that's, that's really good. I'd like to this morning for a few, just as we begin, to read a small excerpt from a prophetic message that uh, I saw. It came, I think, on Facebook uh, a couple of months ago from Lana Vorsa. Lana Vorsa is a, a recognized prophetic voice again in our country. And uh, I'd like to read to you a little bit of what she said because it's relevant to what I want to share this morning and what God is doing around the country. So just before we entered before we entered 2023, I had a dream. This is Lana Vorsa speaking. And in this dream, the Spirit of God fell heavily upon me and I opened my mouth and a prophetic declaration flowed. We are entering the days of the beauty of the beloved, that is Jesus, and the beauty of the bride, that is us. Okay. So I, I then heard Psalm 27 thundering in the spiritual realm. One thing I've asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. And then she said, as I've sat in this dream before the Lord, He showed me that these are the days of His majesty revealed. Now, I don't know about you or whether you've picked this up, but I, I want to say that look, I've been in church all my life, really, and I'm seeing right now a far greater emphasis on the revelation of Jesus and the beauty and majesty of Jesus in the last few years than ever before. And we're going to be seeing a lot more of that in the church as we, as we go on. Where the beauty of Jesus and the revealing of Jesus is going to happen uh, on a scale that we haven't seen or entered into before. There'll be a greater increase of awe and wonder in who Jesus is and the beauty of His heart and His nature that will see the increase of holiness and consecration unto the Lord. Now, what I'm excited about is that that's happening as we speak. This is happening around the world, and it's happening in our midst as a church. And I actually want to share some things a little bit about that, friends, because I believe it's a new day. We are, we are entering into a new day, just like Lana Vorsa has been prophesying and others around the world. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited about that because God is doing, not only doing some amazing things, but we're going to see more and more amazing things as we move forward in, in the days ahead. And more than that, we, we should get ready for this. Uh, I, I want to encourage you this morning just to think about these things and say, I want to be ready for what God is doing because God is doing great things in others and you want God to do great things in you. Last Sunday, Pastor Nick Watson who was here a preach from Jeremiah 33 where it says, Call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you haven't seen before. And friends, that's beginning to happen in our midst. We're going to start to see miracles like, that you couldn't imagine. Things you couldn't have imagined God is going to start to do amongst us. And God is refining and dealing with the hearts of people in this season. What I like about this is that God is not interested in the externals or what you might have achieved or done necessarily. He's looking and particularly interested in the hearts of people. God is most interested in our hearts today. That's why the Bible says we should guard our hearts with all diligence. I want to re read to you this morning from Revelation chapter 19. And uh, this is a key scripture that I want to share this morning because I, I believe it's relevant to uh, the end times that we're living in. 
but also what God is doing amongst us. Then I heard the sound of massed choirs, the sound of mighty rapids, the sound of strong thunder. And by the way, this is not, this is at the end of God's uh, eternal end. Uh, uh, the, the next things, I'm not saying this is the next thing that's going to happen, but we're going to come to this and uh, it's good for us to see uh, the, end, the end of the story. The sound of mighty rapids and the sound of strong thunder. We should have had some sound effects to be able to, to, be able to reproduce that. Now, Matthew, can you organize that, please? It's a bit late now. But, Hallelujah. The master reigns, our God, the sovereign strong. Let us celebrate. Let us rejoice. Let us give him the glory. The marriage of the lamb has come. His wife has made herself ready. His wife has made herself ready. I want to share with you this morning how God is preparing us, preparing you and me for our future with Him. And the first thing is, I believe that there's a revival of worship, a revival of true worship, the worship of the heart coming right now. Now, I'm not talking about learning some cool new songs. I'm not talking about you know, getting our music all sorted out so we really, you know, we can compete with the world. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who understand and learn how to and, and are, uh, have come to a place of commitment to worship God out of their heart, out of what's happening on the inside of their life. Because, friends, when heavenly beings respond to God in worship, um, they're very serious about it. If you look at this, you know, I heard the sound of massed choirs, mighty rapids, and the sound of strong thunder. That's, that's, a, that's a sound of angelic beings that are totally committed, that are 100% engaged, that are absolutely going for it in their worship. Would you, would you agree? That's right. So, so uh, the question I could ask is, sort of, are, are we there yet? <laughs> We're probably not quite there yet. But I think that's a model for us. That when we come to worship God, we can be 100% engaged. We can be 100% committed. We can be 100% focused on what God is doing. In John 4.23, it says, um, God is saying that the, the kind of worshipers God is looking for are those who worship in spirit and in truth. And I love the message translation. It says, your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That means I'm 100% focused on worshiping God, on what God is doing, not focused on, you know, who's, what's happening around me or, you know, uh, what's, what's for dinner or not, not focusing on any of those things. I'm focusing on God. I'm lifting Him up. The first words of the Lord's Prayer are about worship. Our Father in heaven, you know, we worship your name. Hallowed be your name. That's, that's first. Coming first is worship. Um, when God began to rebuild his kingdom family through Abraham and, Isaac, and, Abraham and Sarah, um, it was incredible that sin had blighted and broken and made the world dysfunctional. And God said, I'm going, to, I'm going to rebuild this. I'm going to create a kingdom family that can reflect and display my glory. And so he didn't start off with um, some people who were genetically superior although some people have tried to do that in modern history. Uh, he didn't start off with any of the giants in the land, which could easily have been done as well because there were giants living in the land in those days. He started with 
a couple who couldn't have children. Because he wanted to prove and he wanted to show that what God says, what I'm building is not going to be the result of any kind of human endeavor or human capability. He started with what's impossible. And I just love that thought because you might look at your situation and say, I'm facing impossible things right now. God says, that's just exactly what I'm looking for. Exactly where I come in, to where, where I like to work. In Genesis 12, God says to Abram, so I want you to leave your country. That's very significant. Leave where you are. Leave your country. Leave your family and your father's home for a land that I will show you. It was like 1,600 kilometers away. And they got there on foot. They were walking, by the way. They didn't just hop on a plane. They had to walk. And he said, I will make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. But I love what it says there that God said to Abraham, leave everything you've got, leave your culture, leave your history, leave what you're used to and go to a new place because the life that I'm going to give you is a completely new life. It's a completely new culture. We have to understand that, friends. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean tacking God onto our ideas about life. It means that God is wanting to reframe and remake everything about our world. He said, leave all that and go to the place I'm going to, I'm going to show you. And what happened is that they started moving and they walked for a long time. They eventually got there. Abraham, he saddled up his donkey, took his possessions and the few people with him. And when they got to the place in verse 7 of Genesis 12, it says this, God appeared to Abraham and said, I will give this land to your children. Abraham, I want you to know this is the place. This is it. You're here now. You've arrived. And Abram, it says, built an altar at the place God had appeared to him. So the first thing that Abram did when he got to the new land that God was showing him was he worshipped God. And so the point I'm making here, friends, is that worship is not an add-on. It's totally, absolutely central to our lives and central to what God is doing. And when we get into heaven, to eternity, worship will be a central thing. The first thing Abram did was worship. And it's, it's just, it's central to the idea of spending eternity in the presence of God. And so I believe that God is leading His church, not just us, but worldwide, into a far greater understanding of worship of the heart right now and worship that lifts up the name of Jesus. Now I have to tell you that about 10 years ago, I began to see that... Uh, what we were in church, some of the songs we were singing at that time, well, actually quite a few of them were really not that much about God, but more about the way we experience God. And we were singing songs then about things like, not actual words, but songs, that, something like, you know, God, you mean so much to me. And, uh, you know, God, I need to have you in my life. And, and when you st- I started to analyze the words of some of those songs, and it was, if you looked at it, I, me, we, us, was more, there was more of those in the song than actually God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. It was more, at the end of the day, it was more about me than about Jesus. And I said, this is just not quite right. And I, so that's why in our creative ministry, we're actually very careful about song selection. 
here. Because we want to know, we want to make sure that we are lifting up Jesus. And I'm not just, this is not just about us, but friends around the world, if, you, if you're, I know many of you are, you know, you're looking at YouTube and you're seeing some of the songs that are coming out. And I, I see in the last few years, much more of a trend for our worship songs that are coming out uh, from some of the world's great churches uh, and even smaller churches. There are songs more about Jesus and exalting Him. And it's what Lana Vorsa was talking about, that we are entering the days when the beauty of the beloved, the beauty of Jesus is going to be seen more and more. And friends, I'm just saying this morning, let's get ready for that. Let's be open to that because He wants to reveal Himself to you. And He wants you to be a worshiper from the heart, that you'll give Him your whole attention. Give Him all you've got, the worship of the heart. Second thing about this is that, I've only got two points. Second thing is that the bride is making herself ready right now as well. We read before Revelation 19, 6 to 7. Then I heard the sound of mass choirs, the sound of mighty rapids, the sound of strong thunder. Hallelujah, the Lord our God, the sovereign strong reigns. Let us rejoice, let us celebrate, let us give him the glory because the marriage of the Lamb has come. His wife has made herself ready. You know, there's, um, there aren't many things more beautiful than a bride being presented on her wedding day. I'm sure you would agree with that. Most of us here would agree with that sentiment. And I've had the, the privilege um, on many occasions of, of standing right in the middle it, it could be a bit scary sometimes, but it's, also, it's very moving, I have to tell you. It's very moving. You're standing right like right there, and here's the bridal party. The guys are all over here. And coming down the aisle is this amazing sight, you know. And everybody's just in awe of this thing, you know. And um, uh, it's, it's, it's like a spectacle, but it's incredibly, it's quite moving. And So I've, I've been there quite a few times uh, conducting weddings. But you know what? It's a common theme uh, in God's Word, the, the theme of a wedding celebration. Um, we see it right through the Scriptures, actually. In fact, uh, the Ten Commandments, uh, Hebrew scholars tell us that the Ten Commandments is not really, as, as we have seen or, or thought, uh, a list of you know, requirements that you have to fulfill so that God will like you. It's, it's not that. Actually, if you, if you look back into the Hebrew in the original language, what it is is a ten-part marriage proposal, actually. And uh, in a few months' time, we have uh, Shane Willard, one of the world's great Hebrew scholars, preaching here. He'll, he might even talk about it because I've, I've got some of his study notes on this subject. He's, he's right into this Hebrew. Um, I'm not sure if you'll bring that up or not, but... Um, uh, when you look into the Hebrew, that's what, it, that's what it says, apparently. So Jesus' first miracle, he chose an occasion uh, to, to, dis to begin displaying his miracle-working power. And it was a wedding when he chose to do that, the, the occasion of this display of miracles. In fact, the number of Jesus' parables were about weddings. And, um, you know, we know that brides... When a bride is getting ready for her wedding, they go to a lot of trouble. They go to extensive preparations to make things just right. Is that right? You know, and that's why uh, when you're 
at a wedding and, and it gets around to the time and it's supposed to start, what happens? It never starts then. It's, <laughs> it's always late. They're fashionably late, as they say, you know, because that's all the preparations that they have to go. Well, here's the thing. What do we, how do we prepare? It says the bride of Christ has made herself ready. How do we prepare to meet the heavenly bridegroom? The bride has made herself ready. Let's go to the next verse, verse 8, Revelation 19. It says, His bride has made herself ready. She was given a bridal gown of bright and shining linen. She was given a bridal gown of bright and shining linen. And the linen is the righteousness of the saints. Now, I need to talk about this for a moment. Because if you ever needed a verse of Scripture to justify or explain or validate why we should be a church that is focused on the grace of God, and what God has done for us, rather than all the things that we have to do to impress Him, this is it. And you might have an, old, an older translation of the Bible that says, the linen speaks of the righteous acts of the saints, or the righteous deeds of the saints. It's not a very good translation. This is from the message, and it says, the linen is the righteousness of the saints. When you look into the usage of that in the original language, the Greek, and it says that the usage says um, it means this word righteousness means a pronouncement, a sentence of acquittal, a thing pronounced by God to be righteous or just. That's what the word literally means in its original usage. So when it says that the bride was given uh, a gown of bright and shining linen, which is the righteousness of the saints, that means the righteousness that God has given to her. Not what you've worked up for yourself, not what you've acquired through all your good deeds or hard work or achievements in life. It's entirely what God has given to you. Now, there are some things you can do to make yourself ready to meet the King. There's some things you can do. Like you can get serious about following God and about, you know, um, loving Him and about growing in your relationship. Yeah, sure you can. You can say, God, I'm finished with my old life. I'm turning away from all those things that defile and distract me from living for you. Of course, we should do that. We should do that. But let's understand, friends, that our status as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, doesn't come from anything you can do. It's entirely given to you. And what the bride did, more than anything else, what she did to get ready was to put on something that had been given to her, the righteousness of the saints. You know, it's common in Eastern cultures in historical times. Um, when, when someone was coming to visit a king, for example, if you were having an audience with the king, uh, you wouldn't just uh, look in your wardrobe and say, oh, that'll do, or, you know, that's, yeah, that's my work gear there, but I, I'll just, it'll, it'll be okay, I'm, you know, and, and, and front up. If you fronted up in the foyer of the king's palace, you can guarantee it wouldn't matter what you had. It didn't matter how salubrious your garments were. When you came for an audience with the king, they would usher you into a side room. You would be given the garments to wear. It's recognized in history, if you can look into that. 
And so you would never appear before a king without being properly dressed in the garments that they had given you in that time. So when Joseph's brothers, when Joseph's brothers came down to Egypt during the famine, it says that he gave them changes of garments. Why was that? Because the time was coming when they were going to appear before Pharaoh and they had the officially approved garments that were given to them. Genesis chapter 45. 22. And in the wedding feast, in Matthew 22, Jesus told a story, a parable about a wedding feast. And he said, a king made elaborate preparations for the wedding of his son. And when those originally invited refused, refused to come, he sent his servants out to invite anyone that they couldn't find and bring them to the wedding feast. I just love this stuff. You know, it's not the special guests, not the, uh, the A-class invitees or the A-listers. You know. I think God has an A-list and you're all on it. But then it says in Matthew 22, it says, The servants went out on the streets and rounded up everyone they laid eyes on. Good and bad regardless. Don't you love that? Good and bad regardless. So when we come to God, you don't even have to be good when you come to Him. You're going to end up good because He's going to change you. He's going to change some things about your life and your heart and the way you think. He's going to cleanse you and restore you and remake you from the inside out. Good and bad regardless. And so the banquet was on every place filled. In another version of this story in Luke chapter 14, it says that the master said or the king said, I want my house to be full of people. I've often been impressed by that because, you know, God, you know, we need to get more seats in here, bottom line, because God wants his house to be filled. He wants it full. We've got a lot of room up there, upstairs. And um, so um, we can make more room down here too. We're going to knock a few walls out and make some room down here. But God says, I want my house to be full. Good and bad regardless. And maybe someone might be sitting next to you that might fit into the bad category. How are you going to handle that? <laughs> you have to think about that. But then, then the story in Matthew 22 takes a twist because the king appears in, and he said he looks over the scene, it says, and it says, and he sees someone there who hasn't, wasn't wearing the right garment, wasn't wearing the right garment. And he was confronted and the king said, how can you come in here without the right garment on? Now you might read that story if you didn't know the history and you didn't know the context you might say, well, that's a little bit rough. What about if the guy couldn't afford the garment? What about if he was just poverty stricken and he got, you know what? They were given garments to wear. That's what I'm saying. They were given the official garments to wear for the wedding. He just didn't want to wear the garment that he was given. So for the, here's the point, friends. The point is when I come into the presence of God, when I come to, to, and, and acknowledge that, I, you know, God, I belong to you, you're not going to be able to come with anything of your own to recommend you. 
You need to come in His righteousness. You need to come in the garment of righteousness that He has provided for us. Isaiah 61 says, I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for He has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. God is giving you His garments of righteousness this morning. We used to sing these songs like, you know, Some great old songs there where people had that revelation. You know, I'm covered over, over with the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. Who knows that song? So. <laughs> You're showing your age, but I'm putting my hand up well and truly. So, Guess what? When a bride comes to the wedding day, she also gets something else. She gets a new name. And... Uh, Revelation 3 says, God says, I'm going to write on them, those who overcome, I'm going to write on them the name of my God, and they'll be citizens in the city of my God. I'm going to write on them my new name. God is giving us, he's giving you a new name, a new name. And I, I love this, um, this little uh, drawing that Haley did. At the prayer day last week, it goes up that way, and uh it's a drawing of all the labels and names that people get given. You know, like unworthy and unclean and, you know, not wanted and stupid and kinds of coward, useless labels that people get given. But I want to tell you, friends, that regardless of what labels you've ever been given, whatever names people have ever put on you, when you come into the presence of God, when you, when you uh, align yourself with Him and say, I want Jesus to be in my heart, in my life, you need to know that He gives you a new name right there at that moment. He says, I'm, I'm giving you a name that is honorable, that is glorious, that is whole and holy, whole and holy before Him. And so as I've been saying, you know, around the world, there's, there's a new understanding coming of the grace of God. There's actually nothing new about the grace of God it's been around for thousands of years, but people are starting to emphasize this more and more. And I just love that thought and that theme. And I, I want us to be right in the middle of that because it's what God is saying to the church. I believe there's a new sound going out today in the world, a sound of God's love for us. We sang songs about it this morning, a sound of God's goodness, of His grace for us, that he's not, God is not angry with you. He's not upset. He's not having a bad day. He's actually having a great day, and he loves seeing people come into his presence and worship him this morning. So why don't you just close your eyes right now, folks, because uh, we're going to bring this to a close. But I want to ask you this question. Are you, are you ready for the heavenly bridegroom? Are you ready to, for, for the marriage supper of the Lamb? It says that the bride has made herself ready. Not about all your good deeds or, you know, things you might think will impress God or impress anybody else. It's about, about putting on His righteousness. Because when we put on our own works and we try and do it on our own, what happens is we're actually working against the grace of God, and working against His robe of righteousness that He wants to wrap around you today. Sometimes we've got to throw aside our, our old garments, our old beggar's clothes. Like it says in Luke 
chapter, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 10, that story of the blind Bartimaeus where Jesus is walking by and Bartimaeus, the blind man, yet cries out, yells out, says, you know, Master, Son of David, you can heal me. You can make me whole. And Jesus said, of course I will. And, and Bartimaeus runs toward Jesus. But before he does that, he throws off his old robe, his old beggar's garment, the beggar's garment. He throws it off and runs toward Jesus. He says, Jesus, I want to be made whole. Will you heal me today? And maybe that's where you're at right now. You need to let go of that idea that, you know, I can earn God's favor. Let go of that idea that, you know, I can be good enough on my own. When in fact you can't, you just can't, friends. It's only His righteousness. It's His goodness that comes into our life. So I want to encourage you this morning just to let His work happen in your heart today. And just reach out to Him this morning and say, Jesus, I need you today. I need you more than anything else. I'm sick of trying to do it myself. Uh, I want to be a worshipper of you. I want to be someone who just takes on that robe of righteousness that you give me, that you give me today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your love. Lord, I thank you for your goodness today. Lord, your goodness, let it surround me today. Wonderful Jesus. Can we sing that song about the goodness of God? I'm not sure if you're playing that or not, but... Um, let's all stand in God's presence right now. I said before that I felt God was just showing me that He takes the most broken and He takes them first to build what He's building out of. And maybe that's you this morning and you're feeling challenged about that where you don't just know what God's going to make of your life. And I want to say today, friends, He's going to build something great out of your life. He wants to build something amazing out of your life. Let's begin to sing this song through Amazing Love That Welcomes Me, The Kindness of Mercy. And as we do, if you're just sensing that you want someone to pray with you today or you want to make a response to God this morning, why don't you just come and stand at the front as we bring this meeting to a close. Someone's going to pray with you and encourage you in God today.